0: Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness.
1: If you'd like to support our show, we have a couple discount codes you can use on some of our personal favorite products. The first is our favorite workout footwear, Vivo Barefoot vivos are the best of the best when it comes to minimal footwear and the primus lights are the shoes you see us wearing in all of our instagram content you can save 10 off your entire purchase with the code pack 10 that's p-a-k-1-0 just go to www.vivobarefoot.com or click the link in our show notes to get a pair today The second is for our favorite supplement brand, Legion. We've tried so many different supplement brands over the years, and right now nothing beats Legion. Our current go-tos are the whey protein powder, pulse pre-workout, creatine, and immune support, because if you listen to this show, you know our kids are constantly bringing home new viruses from school. We almost always turn down partnership deals because we only ever want to work with brands that we use and love ourselves, And we actually reached out to Legion to partner because we love it so much. You can use code PAC20, that's P-A-K-2-0, for 20% off your first order and then double loyalty points for subsequent orders, which is the equivalent of 10% cash back. Just go to www.legionathletics.com or click the link in our show notes. Using our codes really helps to support our show and it saves you money at the same time. So we think it's a win-win. Okay, with that said, let's get into today's episode.
0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Reasonably Fit.
1: We're happy to have you here. I hope everybody's recovered from Super Bowl Sunday.
0: I am partially recovered. I'm still on the men a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you're listening to this on Tuesday, but we're recording this on Monday. So Assuming that
1: you listen to this immediately when it comes immediately, out. Immediately,
0: yeah, yeah. 6 a.m. just on the dot. <laughs> but we are recording this uh, the morning after uh, the Super Bowl, and it was actually a really fun event we hosted for the first time in four years or yeah. so. And I think prior to the kids being born, we actually hosted quite a bit. We really liked the Super Bowl. Obviously, we love football, so we love to host the event. Um, but obviously, with kids, it becomes a little bit more logistically challenging, especially, you know, when we first had Kendrick, we were in a small, like, one-bedroom. Was it a two-bedroom or one-bedroom?
1: Uh, it started in a one—no, two-bedroom. Two-bedroom two bedroom, apartment.
0: Yeah. And we were, like, silently cheering, so we're not, trying not to wake them up <laughs> and all that. Um, so it was really fun to have people over again and— The two other couples that were with us also had kids. So it was like kind of chaotic, but also really fun all at the same time. It
1: was great. Yeah, it was six adults, six kids. So it seemed like a small party. Like when we were – originally planning it we were like yeah it's just having two couples over but then every couple had two kids and then it really really added up really so escalated
0: pretty quickly <laughs>
1: downstairs of our house is still a complete disaster but in the best way because it's just toys everywhere meaning the kids had a great time and the adults got to with, with the kids all having each other to play with the adults got to actually have like adult conversation which is yeah. nice so and the kids great.
0: were in bed by 8 15 right the, the kids that were sleeping over so yeah. it was like very big win so yeah. we were pretty we we're pretty happy about things and, and the yeah, game was great the game was, was awesome game. and yeah we really enjoyed it
1: i really like when we're not rooting for opposite teams oh, because yeah. i really don't i'm a patriots fan but i kind of don't like when the patriots are in the super bowl anymore because you always root against them even though you're not like you're just an anti-patriots fan you don't even have a team
0: over the past i don't like how long have we been together for <laughs> like
1: together for 15 years, years? What?
0: (laughs) Oh, I guess (laughs) married. We're we're about to get into a fight. (laughs) How long have we been married for? (laughs) Seven years? I don't know. I think that's what I was counting. (laughs) But anyway, however long we've known each other, I think like our top like two biggest fights out of like the five that we've had have revolved around the Super Bowl. The (laughs) morning after or like the night of the Super Bowl, where I've been just relentlessly cheering on the opposite team that you're rooting for, which is obviously you're rooting for the Patriots. And, yeah, it's it's always led to some really negative fights. And the next morning we're like, why were we fighting like, so hard so about this? Stupid.
1: <laughs> I guess it's good. It means that our, we don't have much real stuff to fight about. <laughs> so we have to get it out somehow. And apparently it comes out via rooting for opposing teams. So... Anyway, it was nice to just be on the same page with like, we didn't really care who won. um, And so we're kind of just rooting for a good game. A good game, yeah. Which it was. It was. It
0: was great, yeah. And for today's topic, we thought it was fitting actually to talk about training like an athlete.
1: Yeah, this is actually something we talk about a lot. But we were like, post-Super Bowl Sunday, everybody's thinking about athletes and sports. Let's get everybody thinking about how they can actually train themselves in a way that is not necessarily going to prepare them to go play in the Super Bowl. But training like an athlete so that they are just more capable and that their training translates more into everyday life activities, right?
0: Yeah, and one of the other reasons why we wanted to make this podcast was because one of the posts that resonated recently on social media, it started off with, if you want muscles that show and go, then follow these simple steps. And so basically, we're kind of going to break out that 60-second reel into a longer, more informative – uh, session here where we kind of break down exactly how to go about training more like an athlete so that, yeah, you do have more carryover to everyday life activities. You feel freer. You feel like you're less restricted. You feel like you're less likely to get hurt. And you just feel very capable and functional and athletic.
1: Yeah. So, to start explaining sort of the benefits of it before we go into the nitty gritty of it, I think one of the ways sometimes our brains can process things is like understanding why not training like an athlete is not great for you (laughs) does that make sense so like understanding like the other side of it so if you're you're either going to in this case it's like you're either going to train like an athlete which we will outline or the other option is train more like a bodybuilder or a powerlifter which are kind Mm -hmm. of like the other common ways to train in even though those are very specific um you could call them sports (laughs) or very specific outcomes that people are going for when they are professional bodybuilders or professional powerlifters. People train that way in the gym, even if they're not professionals, right? Yeah. And we're just going to kind of talk about why training in that way might not be the best way to train when you are just going for sort of overall health benefits.
0: Yeah. And especially if you look at social media today, it's like a lot of fitness basically seems to be represented by bodybuilding camps and powerlifting camps and so people will look at these higher level professionals within their sort of respective realms of fitness and they try to revolve their training all around this individual's training regimen which is going to be very heavily geared towards powerlifting or bodybuilding because that's what their individual sport is and so when you take a look at what these high level individuals and professionals are doing in their respective fields And you distill that down to the masses and everyone just starts to do like these very intense powerlifting programs and bodybuilding regimens. It really neglects a lot of other areas of fitness that are actually really, really important.
1: Yeah. And it also, especially with the bodybuilding side of things, it really, again, boils fitness down to aesthetics. And Mm -hmm. that has been perpetuated, I think, a lot on TikTok lately where it's all about like do this workout to look like me. And those are the messages that we're hearing. And so it does feel like the only point of working out, the only point of fitness is to make your body look a certain way. So you have to do these glute exercises to grow your glutes and do these shoulder exercises to grow your delts. And it's like, that isn't the only thing that matters when it comes to fitness. And part of why we have this podcast and part of why we have these conversations over and over again is because it can become easy to forget that.
0: Yeah. Something that's really funny actually is literally an hour ago, I was reading a comment on TikTok on a post that you made about how to get your first pull-up. And the person was like, I don't mean to be rude, but this just seems like a very um, long and arduous process when you could just train your back using cable seated rows. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's a perfect example yeah i'm just like like, i wasn't saying how to get a ripped back i was saying how to do a pull-up it's a very different goal
0: and people yeah on tiktok are like okay pull-up equals training your back there are easier ways to train your back Mm. and yeah yes that's true if the point of the post was how to grow your back muscles (laughs) or whatever but i just found it really funny of like you you see the pull-up as only a way to train your back not like an actual life skill of right. just like of this very useful and handy skill that could actually be very helpful in your everyday life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. And that's actually a perfect lead into now let's talk about what training like an athlete looks like and what are the benefits of that outside of just what your body looks like. Because right now so much of what is put out on social media or put out in programs is all about growing specific muscles or losing weight in specific areas, which isn't a thing, but That's another topic for another day. But really, like we're thinking about training in a much more holistic way and thinking about it from a lot of different um, perspectives that we've gained over the years. And we want to talk about how you can start to put all those things together into one workout so you're not super overwhelmed by trying to include everything from every area of fitness. Um, And this hopefully will simplify what training like an athlete could look like.
0: Yeah, and we're definitely not saying that we don't like bodybuilding or powerlifting. In fact, they're actually the two biggest, not the biggest, but very big cornerstones of our Rise program. And a lot of sort of the foundation of Rise is built upon the bench press, the squat, and the deadlift, as well as bodybuilding moves because they're very important. But what happens is when you focus solely on squat, deadlift, or solely on bodybuilding moves, you really miss a lot of potential gains in other areas like flexibility and mobility, like balance, stability, and coordination, and power development, things that really round you out and make you a more functional and athletic mover. You really miss those sort of key pieces. And we want to share with you today how to integrate some simple steps into your program to make it more well-rounded so that you do end up becoming a better, stronger, more capable mover. And now I think one of the fears of following a more well-rounded, like sort of comprehensive approach is that if you're not doing, let's say, bodybuilding like all in and every single exercise is devoted to bodybuilding, but now we're asking you to take some of those exercises away and include some more core training or exercises that improve your balance or your power – that suddenly all of your muscles will disappear and all of your gains will disappear because you're diluting this bodybuilding program. But the reality is that with all of the things that you're adding back into the program, they're actually going to really indirectly boost the way you're able to execute the moves that you are doing from a bodybuilding or a powerlifting perspective. Mm. So you're going to find that the increased core stability is going to lead to better bracing for your squats and your deadlifts. You're going to find that the mobility training allows you to go deeper on your squats and deeper on your lunges, which means better uh, potential for muscular development. And it was really funny yesterday because we had, a, um, we had one of our friends show us a video of Jalen Hurts, one of the mm-hmm. quarterbacks on the Eagles. And he showed us a video of Jalen Hurts squatting Back in uh when he was in college, college. and he sh- he was doing was a five hundred pound squat, six hundred pound, a six hundred pound squat, and you know that he wasn't following a powerlifting program. Right. He was following a program that was well rounded for his sport and he just happened to get really strong in the process. So you can get really muscular, you can get really strong without just following a really narrow approach to training like just doing bodybuilding or just doing powerlifting.
1: Yeah, that's one of the best parts of the way that we train now for me is like when I have these moments that I wasn't training for, but I'm able to do something that surprises me or that Mm -hmm. I didn't think I could do, because of the way I train, not because I've been training for it. So like if I'm training for a powerlifting meet, the only way I can really express that training is by going to a powerlifting meet and proving to myself that I can lift as much as I was training for. But it really doesn't help me do much else except for like yeah pick up a heavy box or like you know there are there are definitely translations which is again why we think those movements are important and they're part of this whole train like an athlete thing but also just like you know running like doing the other day we were teaching Kinsley how to like ride our, our one and a half year old how to ride this little bike that she has where you have to basically be doing walking lunges the whole time <laughs> like you're down low like steering her and moving in all different directions and I was like I'm so happy that I can do this right now without feeling like my back is hurting or worrying about how I'm going to feel the next day. Like it was physically Mm. challenging or it would have been very physically challenging if I hadn't been training in all these different planes of motion. And like, those are the moments where I'm like, this matters. Like, this is really important to me. And I'm so glad I wasn't doing anything like specifically to make sure that I could mimic this movement pattern. But my overall training has helped me be able to do it. And I think that's where people will start noticing the difference when they're just like experiencing life.
0: Yeah, that actually reminds me of how many different stories we got at our gym where people would say, yeah, I'm here because I was running to go catch the bus or catch the train and I was sprinting and I sprained my ankle cuz I just wasn't prepared for that or I was participating in my local comp- uh, in my company's softball game and I I pulled my hamstring as I was running and I used to be able to do that no problem and like all these different stories of how they were being held back because they hadn't exposed their body repeatedly to things that they actually do experience not maybe not like all the time or regularly, but you just want to be prepared for things as they come so that you can just feel more capable and confident and empowered. And also, this yeah, this reminds me of other people who are like, I I always tend to say, No to my friends who are going out skiing or going out to play tennis or doing things that are – or skipping doing things that are social and fun because they're a little bit afraid of how their bodies might uh, react to that particular activity. And so they just say, I'm actually not going to go because I'm worried that I might get hurt. And we just want people to feel like they can go out and do whatever they want to do because of the way they're training – their bodies.
1: Okay. So we've given you our little spiel about why we think that you should train like an athlete. But at this point, you're probably like, what does that actually mean though? What does it look like? So now let's lay out all of the components of what that actually looks like.
0: Yeah. And hopefully after this episode, you can walk away being like, oh, I just need to incorporate a few things here and there. It's not like I'm totally overhauling my program or just not following Anything that I was doing before and hopefully it kind of breaks it down to, okay, I can just add a few simple things to improve my athleticism overall. And one of the first areas that we really like to do this is during the warm-up. Instead of just jumping on a treadmill for 10 minutes or doing a couple of quick toe touches here and there, we want to be a little bit more strategic with it. And so we're always incorporating a few different mobility moves that target the hips, the T-spine, and the shoulders. Those are probably the three big areas And, you know, if someone needs more ankle mobility or wrist mobility, like, then we can dive in a little bit deeper than that. But having a warm-up that incorporates some level of hip mobility, T-spine mobility, and shoulder mobility is going to be so helpful for not only that workout ahead, but also, like we've been saying, just your overall life in general.
1: Yeah, and it's so funny because there is, again, like, on social media, there's always contrarians who are basically like, you don't need to warm up, like, mobility work is pointless. You can just start warming up with your um with like lighter sets. sets of your whatever your exercise is going to be and it's just so um like simple-minded. That sounds meaner <laughs> than I <I've- laughs> Not simple-minded. What's the word? Like it's just not seeing the whole picture. It's it's thinking that there's only one specific purpose to warming up or one specific reason that you would do mobility drills and it's like just to prepare for the one movement ahead of you yeah but we are thinking about this in terms of your improving your ability to move through ranges of motion In life, so to be like that's stupid. You don't need to do that. Just do light sets of squats. It's like, well, but squats aren't the only range of motion that you need. (laughs) Like we want to also be able to rotate and twist and all these things. And like if you're just doing light sets of squats for your warm up, you're missing out on a lot of mobility.
0: Yeah, it's like yes, that is the that's that that could be the bare minimum you do for that workout for that day. But that's certainly not optimizing or anything or you're not going to experience any other gains beyond that one sort of like pattern, basically. Right,
1: exactly. So it's not that we're like, you have to do this in order to squat better today. It's yeah. like, this is a beneficial thing to include every day that you lift because it's just going to help you move better.
0: Yeah. And we're also not saying to do 20 minutes of foam rolling and 20 minutes of activating muscles and using a ton of bands and equipment to get you prepared for the workout. It's Just just do two or three moves, and that's going to help cover your bases. And as long as you do that consistently, that's going to lead to great mobility gains over time without overhauling your whole workout regimen just to include 50 stretches. Right.
1: And honestly, if you've been doing a five or 10-minute warm-up on the treadmill, it's going to just be the same amount of time, but you can replace that with two or three or four mobility drills and you just get so much more out of it because you are going to warm up your body. Mm -hmm. Like, Because a lot of people think like, oh, but I like to have my body physically warmed up. And they think that walking on the treadmill is kind of the way to do that. But going through like difficult ranges of motion and like kind of making your body go through experience, you know, mobility ranges that you haven't experienced, you're going to start sweating a little bit. You're going to heat your body up. So that's taken care of. Plus you're also getting actual mobility benefits out of it. So this is almost like a, um, I hate the like, eat this, not that, you know, those, <laughs> those things. It's not it's not that, but it's really like an easy swap that you can make that you're going to have more benefit with the same amount of time.
0: Yeah. And we have plenty of different mobility routines on our Instagram and our TikTok as well. So you can find more specific drills there. Um, so we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down like each individual joint and body part and how to mobilize them. Um, so you can just take the routines from there and you'll 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 understand what we mean as you're going through them. Yeah. Now the next component to helping you become a better athlete with your program is going to be some level of power development. And power development is is definitely going to be a very big mindset shift because during the power development section, you're doing things with lighter loads, you're doing them or trying to do them ballistically and explosively. You're doing it for few reps. It's not going to burn. It's not going to feel overly challenging or strenuous. And you're going to think that it's not valuable yeah. because of that. <laughs> yeah. So here's some examples. So let's say before a deadlift day, we might program in uh, a few sets of kettlebell swings, not 10 sets of 10 with 30 seconds rest in between sets. But we might say, hey, do do three sets of six with 45 seconds rest in between sets And make sure the weight feels like a 5 or 6 out of 10 RPE. And on paper, that feels like, why am I even doing this? But in actuality, what you're doing are a couple of different things. One, you are improving your ability to develop power, your rate of force development. And so exercises in the gym, usually you're doing it with weights that are too challenging to move really quickly. So you're never really experiencing how to contract your muscles quickly and then relax them and then contract again quickly. So it's a very novel experience. So you have to do it with light loads if you're going to be able to do it quick enough. As soon as you start to do power exercises with more weight or for more reps, you start to fatigue earlier and now you're not training power. You're just kind of training endurance more than you are actually getting the full benefit of improving your power.
1: Yeah. I feel like people want to turn the power development section into a hit segment.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I just want to, if I'm going to do kettlebell swings, I want to do as many as I can in as little time as I can, as heavy as I can to like make myself sweat. Yeah. And that could be the, that could be a great finisher, but it's really not, your power is actually going to be dulled, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, if you have to do 10 plus reps, you can't use maximal effort in terms of power because you have to manage your fatigue basically in order to complete all those reps so by lowering the repetitions you're able to actually be more forceful you're able to actually put more force into the ground then that is what we're focusing on but you can't do that when you're also really tired or or out of breath and all those things so it is counterintuitive because everybody has been basically told that if you're not sweating or you know dying after a set then you didn't do enough and you you won't feel that way. for yeah. Power development
0: and power development will go right before your lifts for that day. So what we like to do is a mobility warm up, and then we go into a three to five minute power development segment, and it goes leads into the workout ahead. And so I use kettlebell swings and deadlifts as an example because the patterns are very similar. It's a hip dominant posterior chain driven movement that you do it really quickly, and then that really translates well to the deadlifts later on. Another example of this is let's say trying to do plyo push-ups before your bench press because it's an upper body explosive movement that is very similar in nature in the pattern. And so what ends up happening is when you do this power development, not only are you improving your power, not only are you improving your power, <laughs>
1: developing power,
0: <laughs> but you're also gearing up your body, your nervous system to perform its best for the next lift ahead which is why we follow a very similar pattern another kind of example is if you're doing back squats that day doing squat jumps or box jumps in order to again train a similar pattern but sort of prime your nervous system so that you are very fully just optimized and uh, ready for that movement that day one random example that i'm thinking about that as i'm saying this of how it actually correlates to real life is i remember when we were going on a hike and this was like with kids. I think you might have, have even been pregnant at the time. We're going on a hike. And there was this patch where it was really icy in a lot of different areas. And basically, there were like three different points of contact where you had to step on a rock and leap and mm. land on the other rock. And it was basically that. Or you had to go take a five-minute detour and walk all the way around the ice in order to get to the other side. And I remember yeah, you pregnant and we had all our, like, we had uh, Kendrick and I I was holding on to Kendrick and basically we had to just do like a one-legged plyo to jump over across this ice to get to the other side. And I was like, okay, this is a very real life example of where this stuff actually comes into play. It's like, Yes, maybe not every single day, but there right. are certain circumstances where you actually do need to do it.
1: Yeah, and we've all been there. Like, you you come across this obstacle you weren't expecting, and you want your initial reaction to be like, I got this. Yeah, Right? Like, and that's, yeah, we weren't going on that hike thinking there's going to be ice, so I'm going to train <laughs> to make sure. Like, we didn't know that there was going to be ice. We didn't know that the path was going to be blocked off, but, like, we got there and felt like, okay, like, Great, let's take on this challenge because we can, instead of feeling like we have to turn around or we have to take the long route. So it's just about and everybody's been in a situation like that where you have to, you're faced with a decision of like, do I have to just give up on this thing that experience I was trying to have because something came up, or do I feel empowered to keep going? And it's a good feeling to be able to actually do it.
0: Yeah. And like so many instances where, you know, Kinsley is falling down and your whole you're you're doing something else and you rapidly jump, you <laughs> rotate 90 degrees in the air, you land on one leg, you reach your right arm forward to catch her head from falling on the ground. And you're like in this one-legged kind of, <laughs> kind of single leg squat position. It's like, wow, I just exhibited a lot of power and coordination to save this child basically from <laughs> cracking her head. And it, it just comes up in different ways. Yeah,
1: for sure. It also speaks to our daughter and how Many times we have to save her from falling (laughs) because she climbs on everything. (laughs) Like side note, she's wild.
0: The amount of times where I'm like keeping an eye on her, but I turn around and Lauren walks in two seconds later being like... (laughs) Kinsley is standing on top of a chair reaching for those books right now.
1: It's always the chair. I'm like, how did she get on the chair? She's standing on it and you're sitting right there.
0: I'm like, I just went to go, you know, get a tissue to blow my nose. here, Here she is risking her life. All right, so now we've covered mobility and power development. Now let's actually get into the meat of the workout itself. And we always like to start off our workouts with a heavier compound movement. And this really resembles powerlifting because we oftentimes do back squat bench press, and deadlift on their respective days um, as the main movement of that day. And we like those movements because they really challenge your body in multiple joints and multiple muscle groups at a time. And so it really challenges your your raw strength potential.
1: Right, basically, I feel like this is like the opportunity to express like pure strength. Mm -hmm. Like there's no limitation in terms of balance or like, well, mobility can definitely be a limitation. But like when you're on two feet, for the deadlift and the squat, like you can just push as hard as you can into the ground and like really just portray how strong you can be in that movement. Whereas when we get later on in the program into like bilateral or unilateral movements and different planes of motion, like there's limiting factors into how heavy you can go. And granted, you can get pretty strong in those as well. But this is sort of just like that chance to be as strong as you possibly can and work really, really hard in those patterns. All right, now after the main compound lifts, this is where we get into the accessory compound lifts is what we would call it. And I think this is one of the biggest missing pieces in any sort of straightforward bodybuilding or powerlifting program. But I would also say that this is probably what has the most carryover into actual athleticism or just everyday life, sort of what we've been talking about, because what we're doing here is we're not just training on two legs anymore. We are thinking about single leg training here. We're thinking about unilateral movement. So single arm pressing or pressing with one arm while standing on one leg or moving in different planes of motion, not just in this straightforward sagittal plane. So this is where we're just expressing strength still, but in a lot of different patterns and positions that are going to show up in everyday life.
0: Yeah, this part is where we really can get creative and we know that it's going to be very impactful for your everyday life. So let's take, for example, just a regular bodybuilding program, what that might look like. So it might start off with, you know, two-legged heavy squats, and then it might move on to a two-legged hack squat or a two-legged leg press. Then it might move on to a two-legged leg extension machine, then a two-legged lying hamstring curl, and then into a two-legged calf raise. <laughs> and so it's very rigid and very dedicated towards improving. Just quad development, hamstring development, calf development, just improving the muscular development of the legs. But as you can see from that sort of like the rest of those, that program, it's very sagittal plane heavy. It's on two legs. You're facing straight forward the, the, the whole entire time. And it's not very balanced or comprehensive. You're not stepping out to the side ever. You're not being challenged on one leg. You're not challenging your balance or your coordination or your mobility. It's very rigid around this sort of approach because with bodybuilding you're trying to get those muscles as close to failure as possible and you're trying to get them as big as possible and so that requires a lot of stability a lot of being on two legs and a lot of being fixated on machines and so we're trying to break you out of that a little bit in order to develop more functionality and athleticism and now having said all that even when we are incorporating a lot of this sort of more functional training we're doing it in a way that still balances out the muscle groups as well. So on day one of our RISE program, we have heavier squats set up in the beginning of the day. And then we do exercises that still challenge your quad development, right? So we like to do things like Bulgarian split squats or step-ups or single leg squats or things like that. So it's not necessarily doing a leg press, but you are getting a lot of quad development while still working on your balance and coordination and unilateral training and things like that.
1: Right. So that's why it's not necessarily when people think like, oh, like what you were saying in the beginning, like I'm going to have to take so much out of my program if I want to put all this stuff in. You're still keeping a lot of what you had in there, but just changing the way you're doing it. So Mm -hmm. instead of a leg press, it's a single leg squat. Like you're going to challenge your quads the same or maybe not quite as much weight necessarily, but the challenge is going to be slightly different and it's going to be more functional, but you're still working your quads.
0: Yeah. And so, and we can take this into upper body day as well. Like an upper body day from a bodybuilding perspective might be, okay, I'm going to do barbell bench press and then I'm going to follow it up with a machine chest press, followed up with a machine pec deck, followed up with some cable crossovers. Or someone on a more back heavy day might be doing pull-ups to start their workout, two-handed obviously, and then going into two-handed seated cable rows, and then going into a chest supported row, where again, everything is just very supported, using two hands, and just the whole focus is trying to develop their back muscles. The way we can kind of work around this in a more functional aspect is trying to do more unilateral work. So maybe we do a single arm overhead press or a single arm chest press or a single arm bent over row or even movements where you're seesawing, like seesaw overhead press or seesawing alternating bent over rows, and also pulling and pushing in different stances and positions as well. So, you know, this past, past month of Rise, we did a kneeling, an open half kneeling overhead press. So just imagine that you're in a kneeling 90-90 position. You swing your front leg off to the side and you're pressing from that position. And at first glance, you're like, why, why, why? am I doing this weird <laughs> position? But as you're doing it, as you're pressing overhead, you feel your obliques in a really different way than you would pressing, let's say, sitting on a bench or standing, even standing with two legs on the floor a lot of different stimulus stimuli happen <laughs> as you're incorporating different stances and positions. But we're still getting a lot of benefit in terms of shoulder development, chest development, um, back development when we are doing these row variations and pressing variations.
1: Yeah, it can be hard to dis- distinguish between random exercises for the sake of novelty versus a like an intention behind every portion of a movement like that, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like when people have, when people dismiss functional training, they view it as this like you're standing on one leg on a Bosu ball with the resistance band and doing just sort of like the foofy stuff, like in the name of trying to improve your balance and coordination. But we still want to be very challenged during these movements, and you should be exerting yourself. And so the exercises have to lend themselves well to actually being loaded properly, and so you know we see these sort of functional movements, quote unquote, on social media where people are kind of like swinging a really light dumbbell around while doing what kind of looks out of outside the box or like just kind of flashy on social media. But when we look at those exercises, we're like, you can't progressively overload those. So. Yeah. I don't know how useful that is long-term. And so when we're looking at this sort of segment of exercises, we're really thinking, can we progressively overload this over the course of a few weeks or a couple of months? And if not, then it's not really worth it to have in the program because it's not honoring just basic scientific principles. It's more just trying to be flashy in the name of being flashy. So in this segment, it's still really important that we practice progressive overload and challenge yourself where it is actually going to be Difficult enough where it actually builds muscle and strength.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect way of distinguishing between the two is like, is this just novel for being for the sake of being novel, but like I literally am just swinging something around haphazardly and like not actually (laughs) performing anything with like intent, or is this something that I can improve upon from week to week? And if you feel like it's the latter, then that's it fits in this segment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, as we're saying this, it's probably. While we are giving specific examples of specific exercises that we include in this segment, it is probably tough to sort of wrap your head around if you're not used to this concept. So it is – I would definitely just recommend just being more mindful as you're watching our Instagram stuff or our TikTok stuff. You'll notice what we mean in this segment when we're doing our content because we're doing the exercises that we think are beneficial in this segment in those videos, a lot of the times.
1: Unless it's satire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times we're showcasing like lunging in different planes of motion. We're showing single leg movements, single arm movements. We're showing power development movements that are almost meant to like subconsciously tell you like these are these are good exercises yeah. and you probably should include them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've covered mobility, power development, heavier compound lifts, challenging accessory movements that challenge you from multiple different planes of motion, In different stances in different positions and now let's go into core training so core training it doesn't have to be like at the end of your workout it can be really sprinkled in at any point in your workout but we do think some level of core training should be present and core training is very different from ab training like when bodybuilders think about ab training they're just doing some high rep circuits to train their six-pack muscles but you know, I think that is, while that is important, that is something that we still recommend. We also want to incorporate exercises that challenge your core stability.
1: Yeah, we like to view it as sort of taking a 360 degree approach to training your core. So it's not just training your six pack muscles and doing a bunch of crunches and sit ups, it's like resist creating and resisting movement. In all different directions with your trunk, Mm -hmm. basically, with your midsection. So if you think about from like your neck to your pelvis, we're basically trying to control – we're trying to control movement through that area. And sometimes that means creating some movement in that area, and sometimes it means resisting movement in that area. So you'll see – like one quick example is rotational exercises like – um, a horizontal chop with a cable machine is creating rotational movement and then resisting rotation would be like an, a paloff press or an anti-rotation press where you're pressing something out in front of you and trying not to let it pull you over to the side. So that's one way of thinking about how can I create and resist movement by using my core and engaging your abs and all of those things, but it's not just sit-ups and crunches and ways that you can visibly see your abs. And again, one of the differences between ab training and core training is that core training, we're doing this in order to um, basically help out the rest of your workout, right? Like help out all the other areas because the stronger that your midsection is, the better that you're going to be able to lift really heavy weights, but also balance, but also move quickly. Like all those things are going to be enhanced if you train your core in a way that really does take this 360 degree approach and works on creating and resisting movement. But if you're just training your abs and you're just doing sit-ups and crunches, when you when it actually comes to making that leap from one rock to another, like having a better, having more control over your midsection is going to make that a lot easier, yeah. right? So core training is not about just being able to see your abs. It really is about just enhancing all of the other lifts that you're doing and also enhancing your athletic ability.
0: Yeah, and the good thing about core training is I feel like we have to, we don't have to do as much convincing around this topic. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it got a lot of good hype and buzz and popularity. And so people understand, okay, having a strong core is good basically. (laughs) And so what we're hoping for is that power development and mobility and movements that challenge you outside the sagittal plane, like those also become more popular so that your program starts to become more well-rounded. Yeah. And then the final component to having a more athletic-based program doesn't necessarily have to be in the program itself, but we just think that some level of sprinting is so helpful to incorporate into your weekly structure somehow. So that might mean like going out to a track and actually sprinting, but it all could also mean playing recreational flag football on the weekends <laughs> or playing in a pickup basketball game on the weekends. But basically trying to push yourself out of the normal pattern that we experience on a daily life, which is in our daily lives, which is walking, fast walking, maybe even going up to a jog. Because there are going to be so many times where you are actually going to go into a sprint. Like you're going to go sprint to catch that bus or catch that train. You're going to sprint to go catch your, your, your falling child. <laughs> There's so many random instances where it's going to be important to be able to express that speed. And you want to make sure that you are regularly exposing your body to do that. Otherwise, yeah, that's when you start to get into situations where you pull a hamstring, you roll an ankle, things like that happen. So you just want to make sure that you are prepared to do that.
1: Yeah. We we basically have like in-season and off-season for us for sports, sprinting for us looks very different. Like off-season right now, we're going to just sprint on the treadmill because we want to make sure that we still keep our bodies prepared so that when in-season happens, we pretty much only, we don't do any sprint training when we're playing a sport because we know that, we're going to be sprinting while we're practicing and then sprinting while we're playing and all that's going to just kind of be taken care of. But we do want to make sure that we're not exposed to that for the first time when we just like go into an all-out sprint day one of practice because that's when injuries happen. So it's like basically just making sure that there's continued exposure to sprinting, especially if you're playing a sport, but really just for everyday, everyone living in everyday life who knows that there might be a chance that they're going to have to sprint for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you don't want, when that comes up, you don't want to have not exposed your body to that stimulus in years. And then all of a sudden you sprint and of course you're probably going to get hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah. And something that we want to get across with sprinting is we're not saying to do 10 by a hundred meter sprints.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a work Again, it doesn't have to be a workout that crushes you or an entire like day dedicated to sprinting. It can literally be like do five sprints and you do... 10 second sprint followed by a two minute rest. Mm, And then another, it's almost similar to power development where like you don't need to be getting crushed by this. It really is to expose your body to the sprinting mechanism, not be able to run a 400 meter dash or like anything like, you know, it's just like expose your body to sprinting and do it over and over again. But take as much rest as you need, allow yourself to actually recover. It's not about crushing yourself with sprinting.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not treating it like this as a track workout, basically, yeah. just exposing your body to sprinting. And it's going to be very helpful in various aspects of your life. All right, so we spent about an hour talking about this so far. But ultimately, you know, as long as people are already doing heavy compound lifts, all we're really trying to get you to include are some mobility drills at the beginning of your workout, do some sort of power development drill, incorporate movements that get you outside of the, the sagittal plane and just incorporate multiple different planes of motion and position and stances do some core work, and do some sprinting somehow. It's really just like four or five additional pieces and not completely overhauling the program, but just incorporating some elements of the stuff scattered throughout the program.
1: Yeah, and realizing that some of them can just be substitutes for things you're already doing. So it doesn't turn your hour-long workout into a two-hour workout. Really, it's like, okay, you subbed out your five-minute treadmill walk for a five-minute mobility routine, and then you're subbing out some of your accessory movements that still would have been in the sagittal plane later on in your workout. So you did your heavy squats, but then like you were saying, Jason, earlier, like then you move on to your leg press and then your leg extension and then your leg curl. Like instead of those, we can replace those with some more um, multi-planar movements or single leg movements or single arm movements that are going to have multiple benefits outside of just muscle development but you're not necessarily missing out on so much that you need to like do the leg press and do Mm -hmm. the other moves. You can kind of replace some of those movements with these compound accessory lifts.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about the example that I gave earlier where someone is doing a squat, then a leg press, then leg extension, leg curl, calf raise. That could be replaced with a mobility warm up, then doing box jumps, then going into your squat. And then instead of leg press, Doing a Bulgarian split squat, you're still working your legs very in a, in a very challenging way. You're still getting great quad development, but just in a slightly more functional way. And then supersetting that exercise, maybe with a core drill, like a dead bug or a plank. And then you can move on to your leg ascension, leg hurl, and calf raise. And right. then play some football on the weekend. And <laughs> you know That's a very well-rounded program at the end of the day. And that's really similar to what we do for... Our rise program, like we, it's not like we're demonizing bodybuilding or powerlifting movements. They're still integrated into the program, but we also make sure we have elements of power, core, mobility work, and some conditioning.
1: Exactly, perfect. So hopefully, this was more helpful than confusing. <laughs> That's always our goal. But definitely, ask us any questions that you have in the comments. We've our our comment section of. Our Reasonably Fit Pod Instagram account has been more active these days, which is great. So we're able to connect with you all and make sure that we're not – like if we left anything out, we're kind of covering all of our bases there. So if you have any questions after this episode, definitely head over to Reasonably Fit Pod on Instagram and let us know so we can clear some things up. But we think that this will help you to just have a more straightforward approach to something that can feel a little overwhelming and confusing in the beginning when it's just Mm -hmm. like, train like an athlete. You're like, cool. (laughs) No idea what you mean. So trying to give you a little bit more guidance there. um, And hopefully this helped.
0: And if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review from whatever podcast streaming platform you're listening from, that would be amazing. Love you forever. We've been getting actually a decent amount on Apple Podcasts and Spotify recently. So yeah. we're very pleased about that. So thank you all.
1: Your guilt tripping is working
0: <laughs> for doing all of that. Uh, but I think that is it for today's episode. Yeah. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness and